Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Well, hello there. Thank you for joining me for episode 107 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. As a quick reminder, you can find detailed show notes for this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 107. This might come as a shocker to you, but I don't enjoy having difficult conversations with clients, and I'm joking about the shocker part. Who does, right? I'd bet you don't either. Most people I know don't like to be confrontational and have these very difficult conversations with their prospects and clients, but just because it's not a fun pastime doesn't mean we should always avoid having these conversations because very often the way to solve or even avoid big problems with clients is to do what we fear most is to confront the issues head on and to do that effectively and with confidence you need to be prepared to handle these situations well so in this week's show you're going to hear from Melly Williams and Melly specializes in this stuff she specializes in writing scripts for sensitive business and personal conversations, such as delivering bad news and just basically saying no in a graceful way to a client. She's a real pro at this stuff. And I'm not surprised because of her legal background. She's very, very good at this. And in this interview, she shares some very practical techniques for handling these difficult situations with grace. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. This is some very practical information that you can apply right away. Let's go right to that interview. Melly, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you for agreeing to allow me to, to, to come in here and share. Well, you have some really good things to share here, and I know this is some very useful advice and practical information that listeners can can apply. So I'm anxious to, to hear what you have to uh, share with us today. But before we get to all that, I always like to start by asking a guest to tell us a little bit about themselves. So what kind of work you do, what kind of clients you work for, and, and so forth. So let's, let's just start there. Well, I am a ghostwriter who specializes in scripts for initiating sensitive conversations in both business and personal situations, um, communication that requires a lot of candor. Uh, for example, delivering bad news, saying no, or speaking up to clients. Um, and I also do some work in the corporate space delivering face-to-face uh, -face performance reviews is an issue, especially if they're unfavorable conversations surrounding legally mandated practices like accommodating employees with disabilities or subordinates with certain religious practices. So any uh, nerve-wracking, stressful uh, conversation, I script what I call conversation starters to help people get through that initial stage of opening up that um, delicate uh, uh, conversation or communication. Now, prior to that, I practice law, and I presented seminars on legal topics and uh, workplace communication topics, and while doing all of that, I slowly started a career as a freelance writer, 
And some of my favorite projects were writing scripts for promotional videos and radio spots, and I even did some work in entertainment. And in fact, Ed, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, at one time I had considered writing scripts for branded entertainment projects and interviewed you for a script I was working on called The Freelancer. And that was maybe about three years ago. Oh, yeah. This, yes. Do you remember that? It, it sounds very familiar. Yeah, you were very helpful. I sent you an email and you responded right away. And I just kind of wanted to get some insight into, um, you know, the head of, of a person who coaches freelancers and some of the problems, you know, from a different perspective than my own. And you were very helpful. So, so I, um, you know, started getting into the, this whole script thing um, during that time. And I had always studied screenwriting and, and uh, script writing. So, I had, as I said, I had a background in that as well. Um, but this this business is sort of like a marriage of my legal background, my uh, co- uh, corporate communications seminar background, and then script writing through freelance writing background. So that's kind of how it all started. I love it. It makes perfect sense based on your background to combine all those factors into um, into something different. And this is very different from what I typically hear or run into in terms of your your specialty i'm curious when you talk to prospects about it does it does it resonate do they get it well yes in fact it's funny it started with um work that i was doing in uh in the corporate seminar space um i was doing a lot of legal seminars and a lot of my seminars were focused on um you know how to have certain conversations anyway. For for example, I would I taught collections law, you know, and you know, there were laws there are laws surrounding not having a uh, collections conversation, doing it doing it wrong, you can get into a lot of trouble. And so, so there were my my um, seminar uh, clients had questions about how to say things, and then they would go on and say, "What should I say?" You know, give us the language, the words and phrases. And so um, it, it started with that, and I would include scripting uh, services, if you will, into the uh, into the seminar. I would be included in their fee, so they would actually get those services. And it was based on demand; they would ask for it. So I'd give them the you know the te- the um, theory and give them formulas and techniques, and they said, "Okay, you now tell us what to say." And that happened more and more. And um, I experienced that with colleagues who would ask me to help them and kind of started getting some clients that would ask questions about how to how to, you know, deal with a customer that had um hadn't paid in a while. How can I broach the subject with that customer? So it started with actually nothing that in my head, I'm I'm not I don't know if I'm that creative. It started with actually <laughs> demand from my uh from my seminars. So it, you know, it was just a uh a re- organic progression from there. That's how things. That's how these things typically evolve, anyway. So, yeah, I, I can yeah. I can definitely see that. In fact, I would say that most of the time, when you try to create this, uh, engineer it uh, kind of artificially, it just doesn't work. It, it, it this sort of thing tends to work best when it's organic. So I I can see that, and I'm curious, just because your your what you do is so different from from what I typically see out there, what's a typical client engagement like? Let's just take the corporate market. So do you do everything uh, typically from uh, kind of assessing and then writing scripts and then doing role play uh, and some training or like what, what, what's the typical client engagement look like? 
Well, all of the above. I what I usually do is um, find out, you know, what the goal, what is the goal, and and if someone comes to me and says, you know, I need to know how to um, uh, speak to this defensive employee and give them an un, you know an unfavorable uh, performance review. You know, um, the first thing is what's the goal, and the goal is always with that is to um, educate the employee on what they're doing wrong and, uh, you know, get them on the right track and then maybe change their attitude. So we start with the goal. And then I ask about the, that person's personality. And that gives me an idea as to how well to communicate, how to communicate with them. For example, a type A personality is not going to want a lot of detail. They're going to need enough detail to so that they understand the conversation. But they want you to sort of get to the point. So I'll create something that will, you know, help them um, uh, understand that person's personality and communication style. So I start with the goal, talk about personalities, get that. Um, I then give them a list of talking points, things that I think they should cover, and then I actually go into a into the script. Now, at the same time, I'm talking to my client and I'm getting an understanding of how they their their communication personality, um, the cadence in which they speak, the tone, and all of that. And so I create a scripted product, as I call it, uh, based on all of this information. Once I get, deliver that to them, we go over delivery, um, you know, how best to deliver it under the circumstances, given, again, that their counterpart's personality. Um, I also help them prepare for objections because, you know, as you know, a conversation is back and forth, and so you're not going to necessarily know you're not going to know everything that they how they're going to respond, everything that they're going to say in response. But you can kind of come up with ideas on on you know a certain objections. Particularly, we're talking about sensitive, delicate conversations, so it may make someone angry. They may have something to say in response that you may not like. So I come up with a list of um, objections with their help and my own ideas, and then I uh, script responses to those objections. And I actually, um, I got that technique as, a, as an attorney. You know, you, you have someone on the stand, and you're never supposed to ask a question to which you won't know the answer. And so I, that's how I prepared as an attorney. That's how I would prepare in um, my presentations, um, my seminar presentations. And that's and so it was an easy again organic, um, very easy segue into preparing my clients for um, their conversation. And and you know we did a lot. I, I do a lot with with delivery, but most of the time again, it's, it's man. People wanted to know, well, how do I say this? What do I say? What do I say? And 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 a lot of my folks I work with know what they want to say. They just don't know how to say it. Um, and, and that's kind of how it works. You know, one thing that's interesting, I work with a lot of people like myself who are very assertive. And when you're assertive, you have to be very careful with not being too blunt. Um, you know, you have to come off, you know, you have to be very dip- diplomatic, particularly if you're dealing with clients. Um, and so a lot of the, the folks I work with, my clients, were very afraid because they were so assertive. They were very concerned about coming off um, too blunt or offending someone. So... Because I understood that pain, I was able to, you know, work with them on that because that's something that I, a situation or a problem that I, I faced and actually worked it out for myself by what I call writing it out. So I would always, if I had a, 
really serious conversation with someone, I would write it out first to make sure that I, um, you know, wouldn't come off offensive, quite frankly, because assertive people can sometimes be that way or be misunderstood that way, I should say. Yeah, you're right. So we kind of live in our own little world and we assume that everyone's going to take it a certain way, but that's not often the case, right? Not not with every personality. It depends on who the other person is. So, yeah. Right. Um, exactly. This is, is fascinating. I, I think it's, it's brilliant that you have taken uh, your background and your strengths and created a a business out of this. I can tell you're very good at it. I was thinking one thing we could do is maybe we could go through a few scenarios that freelance writers and copywriters have to go through in terms of difficult conversations. And maybe you can walk us through some of these and explain what we need to take into account, different talking points, how to prepare for objections, uh, that that sort of thing. How does that sound? Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, uh, this first one is about money. And... um, even sort of people like me always get nervous when it comes to conversations about money. And so I'm, I'm, I have these, have, have an idea and I'm going to pose it sort of as a question. This is something that I um, heard from someone uh, recently. Is it acceptable to send a gentle reminder to a client whose invoice is due to be paid today? Or should I wait for them to be late, then get in touch? And this is a stressful conversation um, because freelancers don't want to come off as pushy. And this is also an uncommon question in that most freelancers wouldn't consider talking to a client about money until the payment is late, right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this person is talking about, you know, should I ask ask if, uh, you know, the payment's due today, should I bring it up? Um, one thing, though, that is not uncommon about this question is that we, we may not ask about it on the day that it's due, but we wonder, okay, are we going to get that money today? Are we going to get it two days from now or three days from now? And so here's something that I recommended to this person who asked this question. And this is just my little mini script to them. Your payment is due today, but before you send it in, I want to know if there's anything else I can do for you. So I'm going to repeat that. Your payment is due today, but before you send it in, I want to know if there's anything else I can do for you. And I recommended this because you're showing that you're interested in our satisfaction while hopefully learning where you stand with the payment. Um, you want to know if they sent it in and, or if they're about to send it in, and hopefully you'll find that out. And I found that that worked for me with my own freelancing career because I, you know, when I started out as an attorney, it was Easter famine. I actually started that after I lost my job. And, and so I was always, you know, waiting for that money to come in, um, waiting by the mailbox. And so I had to find a way to, you know, bring up that issue early on. And um, it really, it, it does work. You know, one thing that I've also recommended to clients is to um, ask the, if, if it's late, if the payment is late, you may say something like, um, well, you know, I understand that you're, you know your payment was due last week or a month ago or however long you're willing to wait. I want to make certain that you were satisfied with your service. And then that opens up dialogue. If they had a problem with the service, you know, some clients may, you know, I'm going to put that invoice at the bottom of the pile because I wasn't really too happy with that and I'm not going to deal with it right now. And that opens up a, a dialogue about that so you can fix the problem. Um, so that that's the whole point is to make certain that you are able to 
um, you know, get that that uh, conversation out there while keeping in mind that you need to keep the client satisfied. You need to focus on the um, customer service aspect of it. So it's a, sort of a combined effort there. Um, I've also advised small business people to use this technique in this particular mini script prior to the invoice going out. So in other words, you may say something like, I'm about to send out your invoice or accounting is about to send out the invoice, but before I do, I want to know if you were satisfied with your product or the service, and if not, if there's, if there's anything I can do for you. So again, co combining customer service with a conversation about money. You kind of know where you stand. That makes sense. And I love it too because two things, It's in a way, it's kind of a pattern interrupt. Like they're not expecting that, right? Nobody sends an email like that. And second, I love that it's phrased as a question because yeah. it just begs for a response. Right, exactly. And, and one thing, you know, we always talk about, you hear any, um, or read any article or any seminar or any talk on customer service, you do less talking and, and allow your your client, your customer to do most of the talking. So Yes. I love those. Now, what, what have you found uh, typically? Have, have you found a difference, especially uh, when it, it's overdue? Do you, do you find that it, it gets a, a response to at least open up that dialogue? Yes, it, it does. And I've also written um, on behalf of clients letters that they, they're not quite collections letters. So a client may say, well, you know, I don't want to do a collection letter or a demand letter. So I'll use a similar, um, in fact, maybe the exact words in a letter. Um, going out, sometimes an email, you have to be careful. As a lawyer, I'm always careful with what people say in email. Letters are more formal. But it's not about the formality. It's about, again, gathering information, serving the customer, and letting them know and reminding them gently that, you know, money is due or it's about to be due or it's so hopefully slightly overdue. I never recommend this, that my clients wait, um, you know, for a long time, uh, you know, too, too long to get their money. And that's where sort of the freelance writer and the collections attorney comes in. So sometimes I'm offering two services to, to customers when it comes to this particular script. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Good Thank stuff. I would have never thought to to ask those questions or to phrase it that way. That's that's brilliant. Thank you. So let's go to now, another one. Okay. So the next one, uh, what do I say to a client who wants to change the scope of a project? And Ooh. of course, this scenario is, we know why this is stressful because with scope creep, you know, at least the way I feel, everything is unknown. Um, that's how I see scope. It's unknown. Um, by definition, that challenge is something of a surprise. It, it literally creeps up, creeps up on you. So, you know, you may be asking yourself, how much money are you giving away by just kind of letting this go? If I contain it now, will the problem just creep up again? So I re recommend you give them a PAT answer. And PAT is my formula for um, initiating a um, stressful or sensitive conversation. So P-A-T, PAT. And the P stands for prove, um, and it starts by providing examples of the behavior. Um, and let me just explain why. If you say to someone, you know, you've changed the scope of the project. You know, they're going to get defensive, particularly if you say it like that, um, or they may deny it, um, or, and that can get messy, or 
truthfully, they may not understand that they're doing that. They may not know it. And so um, it's best to demonstrate that behavior. So here's what I actually said to a client who kept changing her mind about um, the target market she wanted me to uh, write for. She said, um, I said to her, you asked me to write this letter with the B2B market in mind only, and I made sure to include it in your contract. Yet last week, you asked me to include ABC, which was different from before, um, and, and that's me saying that in, in parens. Um, in your email, you you expressed to me concern over this, and just today, you received an e- I received an email from your head of marketing who wondered why this was happening, and and I gave what I try to do in, in that example, and what I recommend to people is to, when you're trying to demonstrate that someone has exhibited certain behavior, at least give three three um, demonstrations of that behavior, three examples of that behavior. Again, you want them to not be in denial. And you want them to remind to remind those who literally forgot or and demonstrate to others what they're doing um, when they don't know that they're doing that. So that's a great way of doing that. And you have to you got to practice the cadence and the and the way you know the tone and all that. And that's what I you know help people with. Um, so that's that's P prove that their behavior is um, uh, portrayed in this way. And then A in PAT, A stands for appreciate. So you want to show that you appreciate their position, whether or not you agree with a statement that gives them the benefit of the doubt. So, if, so for example, in this example, um, I, I think I said something like clients change their minds all the time, especially when a new creative idea hits them. Again, clients change their minds all the time, especially when a new creative idea hits them. And Maybe clients don't change their mind all the time. Some people would say, I don't change my mind all the time. I know exactly where I'm going. I'm pretty decisive. But again, it's a statement that gives them the benefit of the doubt. It makes them feel better about what you're about to say next. Um, and it should be truthful. You shouldn't make some, something up. It definitely should be truthful. So you may have to do some thinking there. Now, the T in the pat answer is tell. And you're actually going to convey your message with candor and diplomacy. And um, I, I, I have to be, I have to always remind people that I put the T as in tell because sometimes people don't actually say anything. They'll kind of trail off after giving that, you know, benefit of the doubt statement and hope that the customer will, you know, um, finish their sentence or, or actually get it and understand and come to this epiphany and, and everything will be fine. But I recommend that you actually tell them, explain to them what you want. Um, and again, candor and dis- diplomacy. So, one of the things, um, one of the examples or mini scripts that I've used under these circumstances is I'd say something like, "What I'd like to do first is get the fine print out of the way. Um, as you know, your contract says that if you change the scope for any reason, my fee will be X, Y, and Z, or increased by ABC. So let's discuss how you want to move forward." Um, adjust my fee accordingly, and just get right to work on that new direction. And I say it like that, and I don't know if you kind of picked up on my tone where I was very intentional, but I I try to show that I was ready to move on with whatever the client wants to do. Yeah. And um, I also said um, a couple of things here. I used your contract instead of my contract or even the contract because, number one, it sounds – it sounds more less formal, and it's more um, you know client conscious. It's, it, you know, it's all about the client. 
you, and you know yourself, Ed, when you are writing copy for a client, whether it's your website or a brochure, that you want to make it about the client. You don't want to say, I, 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 I do this, I do this. It's all about them. So you would say you would benefit this way or, you know, and that's sort of how I see this and, and present that idea in this context as well. So um, that, I have a couple more if you want me to go ahead and, and yeah, yeah, let's do that. So I, I love that. And you're giving us some very specific, actionable uh, advice here. So I'm, I'm, I'm digging this, definitely. Okay, great. Thank you. And I just want to say with this particular client, I said I use this on the client. This is client. Um, she would change her mind every second. Same thing. She was extremely creative and had wonderful, great ideas. So sometimes she would change her mind and I would say, wow, that is a great idea. Maybe we should go in that direction. Um, but she, you know, she was on a budget and um, I wasn't ready to keep changing because that affected, affected me as well. And so I, just to, if I could share your response, because I remember I wrote it down and kept it. <laughs> um, she said, I, I can't afford to pay this anymore. I can't afford to pay any more than we, what we agreed to in the contract. So just let's move forward. And if I need to change later, I'll contact you with a new project. And I saw that as a win. That's why I wrote it down. Because of course. <laughs> I saw that as, as a win. And in fact, she, she did contact me um, with a new project in, in, with a new direction. So um, it, it, it works. It does work if you just kind of just keep steady, be intentional, and be diplomatic at the same time. So just a little success story there. Um, now this next one, um, what do you say to a client who rejects your ideas over and over again? So again, using that PAT formula that I introduced, mm-hmm. um, you want to you prove, again, prove that they're actually rejecting your ideas. And that's kind of hard to do because... Um, sometimes you don't know or recognize when they're rejecting. You you can recognize it, but they're not going to say, I'm rejecting your idea all the time. They may sort of just not return your call or not respond to your email. So we've all had those experiences. So what I, I do is I'll look at, for example, the number of concepting meetings or options I presented, and, and then I get very, very specific. I'll say something like, um, you know, let's go over the um, ideas I presented um, in um, email dated XYZ, you know, or dated June 2nd or whatever. Um, And then, you know, we'll go over the email and they don't necessarily have to pull it up, but I'll actually just use that as a conversation starter so that if they want to go to that email or if they want me to repeat the information in the email, what we discuss, I would do that. Um, and, And then I could be very specific with even the number of for example, concepting meetings. You know, we had about four or five con- concepting meetings or brainstorming meetings about this idea. So, again, just giving them examples of what happened so that they understand and, again, proving, that's what the P stands for, what has occurred. And then with this one, um, a good uh, benefit of the doubt or appreciation statement that works well. I'll say something like, you've been in this business or in this industry for, you know, X number of years, 20-some years, and you know it inside out. And just stop there, you know. And sometimes I'll pause because I'll let them say, yeah, I do know my business. Or, yeah, I, you know, I agree. I know my stuff, you know. And so that gives them the chance to kind of, um, you know, we have a maybe may have a dialogue um, about uh, you know how long they've been in business, what they've learned in their business, and why they maybe hired someone like me, or 
you know, who, despite the fact that they know their business, they still hired an expert. So it gives us a chance to do that. But I have to always feel like I have to, to um, prove to them that I understand that, you know, they know their stuff. And I, I don't hold myself up to, to a, necessarily a higher standard than they are in, in this project. And then I go to the T, as in tell. Um, I tell them what I bring to the table. And you can say something. You don't say but, you know. You'll say, what I have is experience getting results. And then you give examples. You know, for example, I've, I've done this for a client in your industry. Um, that client, um, uh, I wrote an, an, a white paper for that person. I'm just throwing out examples. White paper for that person and that this for this company and this industry. And draw some similarities um, between your experience and what they want, your experience and their industry. And then I always end up with the last uh, statement in that tell section saying something like, so how about we try at least a few of my ideas, and if we need to adjust, we'll adjust. You know, so again, you're, you're, you're saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect, if you, but at least try my ideas, and if I need to, to adjust, you know, we'll adjust. We'll, 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 we'll work it out. And, you know, and I, of course, I, you have to make sure that you have your contracts are in place. You know, if you have how many revisions, you know, you're going to allow under a certain fee. So if, all of those have to be in place. But again, I, this works well because the client, I feel, and in, in my experience, are put at ease and are not feeling like I'm trying to jam something down their throat, but I'm also holding true to my experience and reminding them of why they hired me. And it's important that you, you, you prove that. The other thing, too, is to, to throw in this particular section, the tell section, is maybe um, uh, suggest that they read some testimonials. Um, you know, you can point them to your testimonial page. You know, if you go to my website, um, you can read about what Joe Schmo at ABC Company said about um, the kind of work I did, and that Joe Schmo's company is similar to yours. So there's all kinds of opportunities there to get your um, experience in there, but you want to make certain, again, that you're intentional. Let's try at least a few of my ideas. Yeah, and I guess you have to be careful, right, have a strike a good balance between you know your stuff and I also know my stuff, right? So it doesn't appear that you're saying you know your stuff, but I know my stuff even more. <laughs> right? Exactly. So exactly. strike the right balance. And I, I like this because this could work really well even when you're going kind of a little out of scope in terms of revisions. Like, so there, I, I have those terms and conditions in my contract, but good clients, I mean, I'm, I'm flexible. Uh, but I, I still think that even then it's important to state it the way you did. Because you're you're proving to them that you know you're showing to them that you're first of all out of scope at this point and 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 this is why. But listen, I'm not denying that you're asking what you're asking for is is a good idea. Um, but but this is this is you know why we should also maybe try this. Exactly. So it really yeah. softens that conversation which can be difficult to have if you're trying to let them know look we're, we're out of scope at this point i'm going to go ahead and do it but be mindful of this right okay i like that thank you thank you and you know that last um example with the, the tell section it also works with this another scenario that um i've come across with uh, business freelance uh, women 
freelancers, female freelancers. Um, uh, I had a woman ask, in fact, I did a, a survey of 100 women, all freelancers and business owners, a um, couple of corporate senior executive women, but a lot of the freelancers um, would ask a question similar to this. As a woman, I feel like I have to prove myself to male prospects. How do I demand attention without sounding, sounding rude or whiny? And let me just say this, and for every, all your listeners too, I don't want anybody writing you or emailing you in saying, wait a minute. No, not all men are like that. We all know that. <laughs> but um, general, and generally speaking, um, there are some women who may feel that way. And I've, whether or not it's true that this is happening to them, I always um, I, I provide a conversation starter that will make them feel um, more uh, qualified or credible. And they are. And so I always tell them, talk about your credentials and your qualifications. Because men and women do have different ways of, um, you know, with, with exceptions, of course, but they have different ways of communicating and taking in information. And there's plenty of studies that will show that, you know, men, they, when they, they talk about their, you know, their accomplishments. You know, you get, if you're going out to, um, to a bar with your buddies, you'll, you just played um, golf or baseball, you'll talk about your score and your wins. And um, women may talk more about relationships. So I always tell women, I don't I have no, I tell them, I have no idea if you're experiencing this, if this is real, but talk about your accomplishments, talk about your, your, your wins. Um, try to quantify it if you can. I've saved this amount of money um, for my clients. I've, um, you know, made this amount of money. I generated X amount of leads. And then that seems to help them, even if the guy has no problem with them and it's just all in their head, it helps them feel better about the situation. And if the guy is a, has a problem with a woman, then it does, it helps with that conversation as well. So I always try to, you know, foster positive gender communication when I come across issues like that. And, it's, and it seems to work from the feedback that I've been getting. And I know in my experience as well. I, I agree. I've talked to many women who've to share this with me said, look, it's just hard for me to talk about me and my stuff. And, uh, same thing with guys, but I hear it more from women than I do from guys. And I think it's just the way uh, we've been programmed. You know, it just, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, I think that's very smart for you to, to be mindful of that and to point it out because, uh, if you tend to avoid that, this is not the time to do it. <laughs> All right, so let, let's move to the, to the, the last one. Uh, which, what's this one about? Well, the last one is actually the flip side. Um, it's if, uh, if a male um, is, uh, is dealing with a woman who has a woman-owned business and her target market are females as well, um, I've had gentlemen say, you know, I don't know how to talk to this person um, I, you know, especially if it's a type A male and they'll, they'll say, you know, I feel like I'm getting feedback that I'm being too blunt. Um, I'm, you know, jumping ahead too quickly. You know, I'm not willing to press enough details and things like that. And what I do is this is something a little different than just sort of responding. I also, I try to coach them on how to set themselves up to be, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, more likable to that particular female audience. And again, it's based on on the feedback that they're giving me. And I, I'll t 
tell them. Like, for example, if someone said, were to say to them, you know, you're, you're, too, you, you're going too fast. You know, you're moving too fast. You're talking too fast. Slow down. We want, we, we, you know, our target market are women. They like detail. They like, um, you know, for you to spend a little bit more time thinking things through. And I would recommend to this one person, Say something, um, bring up your family. Do you have any daughters? Do you, you have a wife? Bring up an experience with them. So, for example, um, if a woman said, you're too blunt, you're too fast, you're too whatever, then you know what? That reminds me of um, the time my daughter and I were driving the car on the way to our, uh, our father-daughter dance. She said the same thing to me. And what that does is that opens, again, it's females – and I'm going through studies because I've studied all of this as well as my own experience as a female. If someone were to say that, first thing I would say in my mind, maybe not out loud, was, oh, that's really nice. He's hanging with his daughter. He's doing things with his daughter. He obviously respects females. And um, that's just a way, again, women and men um, see things differently. And I have to repeat this. Exceptions, there are many exceptions, but there, that has worked. Um, I find that that has worked, and it kind of softens them, softens them a little bit. And particularly if they're dealing with a company that caters to females, that's very, very important. That that male, although it, it hired for his um, expertise, is showing that he um, can understand and relate to females. I think that's very smart because it's obviously you don't want to fake it here or say something that's untrue. But right. if you have something, and I think we all do, uh, in in our in our own life that that could prove to the other person, listen, I I I, I understand, and prove it to them through indirectly. I think that's that's it's a great idea. Right. And I had a one woman tell me she has she's you know I have a very male approach to um, problem solving or communicating, and this is what she was accused of. And so I, um, you know, gave her some ideas on that. She happened to have daughters. Um, she was a great, you know, cook. And I know this sounds so, um, <laughs> you know, um, biased, you know, not all, because men cook as well as females. But, but if you're dealing with a certain type of um, demographic, um, especially if you're, you're you know, um, like a lot of consumer products that are catered, catered towards females and children and families, that's what I recommend that people do. And you're right. You don't want to make anything up. So I, that's one of the things that I do. I try to I ask questions and try to, to um, get them to pull out something from their life that they can use under these circumstances. So and, um, I, I'm, I'm curious about something in particular. These are great guides that you've given us. I've taken some good notes here. And this, this really makes a lot of sense. But I'm curious if you have maybe a couple of, of, of tips for people when they are in difficult situations like this. Um, let's say you prepare by doing what you just suggested, right? To have some talking points in front of you, kind of rehearse them in your mind. But how can you stay calm and on point and, and not say or do something harsh like any ideas or suggestions for making sure that you you kind of stick with your with your plan as you're going through that conversation 
Well, the first thing that you need to do is to stop talking. If if things seem to be getting, and I'm not sure if you're you're saying this, but if things seem to be going wrong or in, a, in the wrong direction, or yes, nervousness yeah. or both, um, stop talking and 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 ask questions. Um, you know, you can you can a- ask a question. Let's see, for example, um, specific questions like. Tell me what it was about that idea that you didn't like. I really want to know. I'm sure that there's something that's missing, or there may be something that's missing, or obviously there's something that's missing. Um, or, you know, when you ran it past your marketing team, what were some of their universal objections? And just listen. So that's the best way. Again, the, more, the, the best way to get someone to listen, to, to get you to stop talking, and to get them to start talking is to ask questions. And if you are customer focused, you should be able. You should find questions. Questions should come to mind. You shouldn't have to prepare for the, for those. I, that's one of the things I tell. Um, I would tell clients is that you know you don't have to. Um, I shouldn't have to tell you what questions to ask that are cu- customer focused questions to ask. You should you should know that, and certainly I'll help them through that. But um, it's it's something that everybody should should. Um, can plan ahead, you know, the type of questions because you, you're information gathering, but it also, it, it, it stops things in their tracks and you get them to talk. And that really, if you're just sitting there listening, it really does calm your nerves. Um, and one thing that can make people nervous, you know, freelancers nervous, if, if someone is getting angry and getting upset, that makes you nervous and you don't know what to say next, you can throw out something like this. You know, something you said really got me thinking. So, you, you know, if they're ranting and raving, mm-hmm. you know, something you said really got me thinking. You're not saying, I agree with everything you said. You're not saying, you know what, you're right. I'm an idiot. I messed up. You're, what you're saying to them is, what you just said really got me thinking. And then you can go into, um, first of all, it calms them down. And then you can go into, and here's what I, here's what I think about that. Or here are my suggestions. You know, because they're not necessarily, at least in my experience, they're not necessarily looking for you to say, um, to, to, to pinpoint exactly what they said that got you thinking. Because most clients are going to say, absolutely, it, it should have gotten you thinking because what I'm saying is absolutely on point. <laughs> what I'm saying absolutely makes sense. So um, it, it, that absolutely works. I love that. And it wasn't that, I have to say, that's not my idea. I um, learned that from a colleague in the communications coaching field, but it's, so work. Something you said really got me thinking. And just stop and pause. Let it sink in, and then move into whatever you have to say next. And that should be solution-oriented commentary. I like that. I like that, and I like I like your idea of asking questions because sometimes the best way to calm down is just to get that breather. And if you can get the other person talking because you ask an open-ended question. At least you can kind of collect yourself, <laughs> and right. um, and and then get get back on track. Especially with something that it's getting a little heated, and you're getting really upset, for instance, or you're really nervous. Then the, I know that's that's helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah. So great stuff, Melly. This is this is very very helpful. Let's face it, right? We all have to deal with these difficult conversations. I think you picked some great examples. Uh, to to go over uh, and I, I, these are very practical tips so I appreciate you sharing those with us and b- before we wrap up 
How can listeners learn more about you and your business? Well, you can visit my website at um, thediplomaticscribe.com, T-H-E-D-I-P-L-O-M-A-T-I-C-S-C-R-I-B-E.com, thediplomaticscribe.com. Excellent. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. I kind of toyed with that because some of my friends have known me for a long time. They're like, you're very assertive. You're really blunt. Are you really that diplomatic? And I'm like, well, that's my job to be diplomatic when I'm helping my <laughs> my clients out. So um, I'm also known as people just to kind of throw this out there. Someone said you're a candid conversation starter, and I think that's the that's a good name for you as well. So I, I think I'm going to totally trademark that one as well. Ooh, I like that. Isn't that crazy? How sometimes the best descriptions come from other people. Yes. You say yes. you know you're like this for that. Right. <laughs> Great. Well, Melly, again, thank you for for coming into the show today, for sharing uh, these ideas with us. I, I truly appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really had a great time. Thank you, Ed. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.